the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What difference at this point does it make? Oh, shut up. If you've got health insurance, you can keep it. If you like your health care plan, you will keep your plan. If you've got health insurance, you like your doctor, you like your plan, you can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan. I'm as bad as hell, but I'm not going to take this anymore. Yeah, we're going to get it started all right. Boy, what a week. We've got uh, Jill Stein, the uh, Green Party person, acting as a front person for Hillary Clinton's re-election efforts. Donald Trump's transition team is moving full speed ahead. And he's embarked on his thank you tour that the mainstream media wanted to characterize as a victory tour. And Trump's team was very quick to push back on that and say, no, 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 no. This is not about victory. This is about thank you, starting that off in Indiana. Boy, but the election on the national level is very, very different from the election on the local level. Uh, This is truly the election that is a tale of two realities, one of California and one of the rest of the nation. We've got Orange County going blue for the first time since the Depression in 1938. We've got propositions that, you know, I guess you can sum it up best this way. California, you went full tyranny. Never go full tyranny. And we're going to be talking to Assemblyman Mark Steinorth in the second part of the show as he shares with us uh, what he went through in an epic battle against the Democratic progressives bankroll of $3 million, a uh, an upstart uh, candidate on their behalf. Uh, we're going to be learning a little bit about what it means for us going forward with the possibility of a two-thirds supermajority in Sacramento and what that's going to mean for us. But we're going to start on the national level. We're going to start looking at uh, what, how things are, are, are unpacking for the Trump transition team. My name is Don Dix. I am the leader of the Corona chapter of Act for America, and I'm flying solo today. Greg Britton, uh, on the cabinet member of the Redlands Tea Party Patriots. Well, He's taken a well-deserved week off. He'll be back next week, and as we will every week at 4 o'clock on Saturdays with the Unite IE radio show. But to help us get that national perspective, we've got a very, very special guest to help us with that. He's investigative journalist Ken Timmerman. He's been on our show before. Ken has an expertise, 30 years, uh, rummaging around the Middle East, reporting on uh, what is going on over there. But Ken also lives in... uh, Maryland, and he's very close to ground zero for what's unfolding there. Ken is the author of a book called Dark Forces, The Truth About What Happened in Benghazi. And then he had a follow-up book that featured insights from Nakula, Basili Nakula, and the whole uh, September 11th uh, fraud that was perpetrated on the American people by the Clinton administration and the, uh, I'm sorry, by the Obama administration and the Clinton State Department. But let's welcome Ken to the show. Ken, thank you for taking time out to help us with two very important articles, I think, that you wrote, one for The Hill and one for uh, The Daily Caller. Uh, appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to uh, join us. 
Well, Don, it's a, it's a great pleasure to be with you. Thanks for having me on. So, boy, does Donald Trump have a job? And I think what's interesting about the article you wrote is that rarely do we get a glimpse into the headwind that the Trump administration is going to face inside of D.C. as he battles the ideological front line of uh, progressivism that the Clinton administration uh, uh, Department of State, as well as the Obama administration, has packed into the various different uh, departments, if you will, of the U.S. government. You wrote a book called The State Department Nominee Must Tame the Bureaucratic Beast. Tell us a little bit about the bureaucratic beast you're referring to there at the State Department. Uh, well, Don, I, I see those protean slips about the Clinton administration right. and different things. <laughs> and you know something? You're right, because many of the uh, folks at the State Department and other uh, executive departments that are going to be a problem for Dom- Donald Trump burrowed into the bureaucracy. They were political appointees under Clinton, and they burrowed into the bureaucracy and now are careerists, which means it's much harder to, fu- to fire them. Uh, probably the worst uh, is the State Department, and that was the subject of my of that that recent story, the Daily Caller. Uh, and I my my to cut to the chase. My real concern is that whoever becomes the Secretary of State has got to be tough enough, has got to be ruthless enough, and has got to have enough good humor to be able to resist the slings and arrows of his enemies when he starts or she starts to fire the people that need to be fired at the State Department who will refuse to carry out President Trump's agenda. Well, let's start there. Uh, you said he or she. We still don't know. There's an interesting article that the Daily uh, Signal posted uh, showing the pace at which President-elect Trump's transition progress is headed. He's actually ahead of every president. Uh, this chart goes back since Carter in making his nomination. So, you know, all of the angst that the mainstream media is painting about, you know, how this uh, transition is in disarray. Trump doesn't know he's an outsider, doesn't have a very good handle on, you know, who, who he's going to pick. Uh, you know, you see the uh, 24. It's not 24 hour, but they've got a fishbowl camera posted in the Trump uh, tower lobby showing the traffic that goes in and out. You can watch that from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. East Coast time. Um, how, how do you how would you characterize the overall pace of and, and selection process, particularly from a national security perspective of the picks that uh, Trump has made so far? Well, it's been brisk. Uh, it has absolutely been brisk. And uh, look, nobody should be watching the so-called mainstream media. I've called them for many years the formerly mainstream media because they represent uh, Los Angeles and New York. And that's about it. Uh, just don't listen to them. They don't. They are. They are meaningless. Uh, they don't have a clue. They are consistently trying to find something to criticize where there's no there. There, uh, Donald Trump, uh, number one, is going to keep his election promises. Uh, that's one of the lies they're trying to tell you that he's backing off on his promises. He's going to keep his election promises. Number two, he is going about this in the selection of cabinet members in a very methodical fashion. We're seeing this by the people he invites to Trump Tower and how he makes his appointments, his announcements. Uh, The one that is outstanding, I mean, there are many outstanding, but the big one that's outstanding, Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State. We don't know who those people are. And, Don, if you're going to ask me who I think is going to get it, 
uh, I'm going to tell you there's only one man who knows. Donald Trump. Well, and speaking of knowing, you were actually, kudos to you, because far in advance of November 8th, you actually had the pre- uh, presence to uh, believe that Donald Trump would win. You characterize it as a landslide. Obviously, it was a little closer than that. But uh, what led you to believe that Donald Trump was going to take the November 8th epic battle between him and uh, Clinton? There are a couple things. Number one, uh, in February already, when, when Trump was just beginning to, uh, I guess right after New Hampshire, after he won the New Hampshire primary, uh, it, it, it just became obvious to me that he had something no other Republican candidate had. He had an ability to neuter the national media. They couldn't lay mm. a glove on him. And it didn't matter what he said. Uh, remember that famous tweet of his, uh, in a, by the way, Let's remember, it was, in a, it was in a low news cycle. Nothing was going on, so Donald Trump tweeted out, I could go down on Fifth Avenue and, and you know, go out in the street and kill somebody, and, and nobody, you know, it would be, there'd be no problem. Right. Uh, and, and it made front-page news when they weren't talking about anything else. Donald Trump was a master of marketing. He understood how to turn the national media, which hated him and hated Republicans, to his benefit, uh, he benefited from the media. He got, you know, some people have said, a billion or $2 billion worth of free advertising. The guy was a genius at this. So that was the first thing. And then the second thing was just going to some of his rallies. When you saw how many people yes. were there and what their background was, they weren't all Republicans. In fact, probably not more than half of them were Republicans. And they were enthusiastic supporters of Donald Trump. When you saw that, when I saw that, I said, hey, these polls, the polls that you're seeing in the national media, they just don't capture this. They do not capture the Donald Trump vote. They, you're right. They didn't. We're talking to best-selling author Ken Timmerman, author of a book called Dark Forces, The Truth About What Happened in Benghazi, and his sequel to that, which featured the uh, experiences of the man that made the film uh, Innocence of Muslims that the Clinton State Department blamed on the terror attack that occurred in Benghazi on 9-11-12. We'll be right back with more from Ken Timmerman after a word from our sponsor for this half hour, Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President of Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Reno Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower. Two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. And listen to my show, The Main Event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed by California DRE. Broker license number 01147747. And California Financers Lenders license number 603K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603K610. NMLS 9873. AM 590. The answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer. We are back with Ken Timmerman on the Unite IE Radio show, airing weekly on Saturdays at 4 p.m. Ken Timmerman has two great articles I would love for you to go out and read and become more familiar with Ken's body of work. The first article we're going to get into, Trump's smart cabinet picks will make America great again. This was in The Hill, uh, a 
posted on uh, November the 29th. Let's start off with uh, Jeff Sessions, one of his per- first picks out of the box for uh, attorney general. Uh, one of the frustrations I had with uh, both of the attorneys general that Barack Obama had leading that department uh, was, of course, they politicized the department uh, right from the get go. Uh, One of the things that Eric Holder did was to lock up the box of evidence from the Holy Land Foundation trial and never let any of the congressmen or anybody in to uh, review that for ongoing action as it related to indicting the unindicted co-conspirators that came out of that trial. But overall, what do you what do you what are your thoughts on Jeff Sessions? What do we have to look forward to with him as the attorney general? Uh, Number one, he's a stand-up guy. Uh, Number two, he's a very strong Donald Trump supporter, close to President-elect Trump. Uh, That might sound unimportant. That is extremely important. Uh, We have a president, uh, a president-elect, who has made campaign promises, who ignited a movement around this country uh, and embodied their desires to build a wall along our southern border, to bring jobs back to the United States, to to rebuild the military and restore confidence in America and respect for America around the world. Uh, He needs to have people in cabinet positions who are close to him and who will enact his agenda, not put their agenda in place, but enact his agenda. And I think with Jeff Sessions, you can be guaranteed that he will do that. Now, one of the things it seems that the uh, media is loving is it, it it seems that based on his wording of a statement that Donald Trump may have taken indictment or pursuing Hillary Clinton uh, for the various things that we view her as having committed crimes regarding classified information or old email thing. Um, is that off the table in your opinion, or is that something that's just lurking on in the wings uh, so as to possibly avoid a pardon by President Obama? Don, I'm going to say this again. I don't know why anybody listens to the formerly mainstream media, because they just make stuff up. You know, They're trying to, to make us believe that, that Trump is backing off on this promise or that promise. All you have to do is listen to Jason Chaffetz, the, uh, the uh, chairman of the uh, Government Oversight Committee in Congress. They're going to continue investigating uh, Hillary Clinton. They're going to continue investigating the Clinton Foundation. By the way, it's up to Congress to investigate them at this point. Possibly it's up to uh, certain, uh, you know, uh, assistant U.S. attorneys around the United States. It is not up to the president of the United States to do that. So for Donald Trump to say he's not going to investigate her <laughs> is just kind of stating the obvious. Of course he's not. He's the president now. That is a great observation, and uh, you just sent uh, shivers up my spine, if you will, because <laughs> I am. Uh, th- this is a big issue for me. I know it's a big issue for a lot of folks that pay attention to national security, pursuing her for her crimes. Uh, hopefully, your your interpretation is the one that wins the day. Also, at the top of Trump's list is the appointment of Georgia Republican Representative Tom Price as the head of Department of Health and Human Resources. One of uh, Donald Trump's big campaign promises you mentioned that earlier of course is to uh, repeal and replace Obamacare now um, we're also there was an article in Politico today that said uh, Trump may have some headwinds it may take him three years to unwind this I I, you know I'm sure the truth lies somewhere between the two but I you know it's a 10,000 page you know document now i can't imagine you can just tip that over in a day what's ahead for tom price in pursuing this campaign promise actually i think you can tip it over pretty quickly and the man to do it is tom price 
I, I know Tom. I've met him many, many times uh, in recent years. Uh, he has proposed not just one, not just two. I believe it's three replacements for Obamacare. He's an orthopedic surgeon. Uh, he knows what he's talking about. Uh, he's a newcomer to Congress. I mean, in the sense he's only been there 10 years, uh, not even reached the term limits of people who would like term li- limits, right, of six terms, sure. two-year terms. So uh, he's somebody who's going to go from Congress to the executive branch where his job, his job is going to be to repeal and replace, replace Obamacare. He knows how to do it. He's proposed patient-centered uh, uh, health care uh, where you can buy insurance across uh, state lines uh, and you can people with pre-existing conditions are going to be covered as long as they haven't canceled their insurance to kind of become freeloaders over the past 18 months. Uh, all of this is out there in the public record. The media has not been doing its job. Gee, did I just say something that everybody knows? Yeah, of course. Okay. No well, wonder, right? You know, you know, the Health and Human Services Department is probably one of the largest departments, probably, I, I don't know, behind Department of Defense. they got a trillion-dollar budget, 78,000 employees. You talk uh, – we're going to talk next uh, – in the next segment about the State Department and the headwind there. i got to imagine, because this was Obama's key, uh, you know, legislative victory in the first two years and part of what his uh, – you know, legacy is hinged on. I got to believe you've got ideologues buried deep in the health and human services department. Does he have the same kind of headwind that anybody that is going to be the secretary of state is going to have in managing that behemoth? I'm sure he does. Uh, the The good news is that he's going to be able to cut probably much more uh, deeply into personnel and into the budget than the next Secretary of State will be able to do. And at the State Department, there's we'll talk about that later, but there's only half the budget that can be cut. At Health and Human Services, it may be as much as two-thirds. Oh, interesting insights. All right. Good. You're nothing but good news. We're talking to Ken Timmerman, investigative journalist, a history of just breaking news regarding the uh, everything from Iran's role throughout the world, specifically in the Middle East, uh, to, you know, even Libya and Gaddafi's role. You can learn all about that in Ken's book. It's called Dark Forces. It's, uh, you know, an Amazon bestseller, The Truth About What Happened in Benghazi. Investigative journalist Ken Timmerman will be back with more thoughts on the Trump transition after a word from our sponsor for this half hour. Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now, and from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855 640 2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know Ed. He's a good guy. He'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855 2020 AM590 The Answer All right, we are back on Unite IE Radio airing every week at four o'clock on Saturdays. We are your source for what makes America great. 
And we always like to remind you the most important political office in the country is that of private citizen. You can go to our website, UniteIE.com, and learn how to get plugged into one of the 23 groups around the Inland Empire that are doing the heavy lifting to try to return conservative values to the Inland Empire in California. We're talking to Ken Timmerman, investigative journalist, president of Foundation for Democracy in Iran, which is an interesting, maybe maybe you can actually make some progress now on that under uh, under a Make America Great banner. What do you think? Well, that, uh, you might be right about that. I'm not sure how much of that would become public until it became public. But uh, you're right. I think that uh, the Islamic uh, State of Iran, let's recall it what it really is, it is the first Islamic State to ravage the Middle East and to ravage its own people. Uh, I believe its days are numbered. I believe the people of Iran are crying out for freedom, uh, and I believe that there's a tremendous potential um, uh, alliance between the people of Iran and the people of the United States of America. Well, key to that, obviously, is going to be the person that ends up with the Secretary of State slot. Right now, uh, if you if you were to read the mainstream media, it, Mitt Romney, with his two visits with Barack Obama, seems to be the, the leading contender for that. Um, what do you think about a Mitt Romney as Secretary of State, Ken? Well, first, let me tell you, I don't have a clue who's going to be the next Secretary sure. of State. If I told you otherwise, I'd be lying. There's only one person who knows that. It's uh, Donald Trump, and I'm not sure that he even knows that yet. Okay, uh, at least when now, when you and I are speaking. Right. Uh, but yes, they had they had dinner on Tuesday night. It was their second meeting. Um, Romney went out and made funny noise, you know, wonderful noises. Uh, Newt Gingrich later on said had never heard somebody who had been a presidential nominee grovel so low before in his life. Uh, possibly true. Mitt Romney is clearly looking for a position in this administration. But why does it have to be Secretary of State? You know, I would see Romney more with his background, his business background. He's a turnaround artist. Uh, I could see him more at the Pentagon turning around the failed, bloated bureaucracy of ah. the Department of Defense than I would see him at the State Department where you're dealing with the slings and arrows of these part, many of them, not all of them, but many of these partisan bureaucrats buried down into the uh, you know in, into the bowels of the State Department, uh, and he's got to you know he's got to identify them, get rid of those he can, and defang the others. It's a very very tough job. It's the kind of thing that you would need a Rudy Giuliani, I believe, or a John Bolton who understands the department more than you would need a Mitt Romney. I see Mitt Romney more at the Defense Department, but maybe that's just me. Do you have a favorite? Uh, well, I think John Bolton would be my hands-on favorite uh, because he we've seen him in action at state, and uh, we've seen him at the United Nations. And uh, at, at, for all of the naysayers, the people who, who said he would be a catastrophe, he actually won the respect of America's adversaries at the United Nations for his uh, skill as a diplomat. I think he would be a great diplomat for America uh, and a great uh, voice for Donald Trump around the world. Awesome. Now, in your book, Shadow Warriors, written in 2008, you recount a uh, Secretary of State Colin Powell that came into the State Department, held a town meeting, town hall style meeting, uh, you know, basically saying, okay, we've sort of a new sheriffs in town. We've got a new agenda um, under my leadership. And you recount a story where one of the subordinates went into the office, held their own town meeting, basically saying, we're going to do everything we can to stop, you know, to get in the way of this. I can't imagine anything different happening under, uh, you know, with with the State Department that whoever ends up with that is going to inherit. That's right. They, the 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 
permanent bureaucrats, not just in the State Department, but elsewhere, they, they, they think of the political appointees as the kindergarten boys. You know, they're coming in for, for a couple of weeks, they're the newcomers, and then they're going to be gone. Uh, and, and that's the problem. They believe that they, they own the United States government. They are the permanent government, the permanent bureaucracy, and that's what the next Secretary of State is going to have to deal with. It's going to be difficult, but I think a strong person there with a strong staff in all of those subordinate positions, they go down to the assistant. So it's the Secretary, Deputy Secretary, the Undersecretaries, and then the Assistant Secretaries are all confirmed by the Senate. Those people have to be strong individuals. They have to be uh, carrying out the policies of the president of the United States. Right. So I don't want to see a secretary who's carrying out his own policies. I want to see a secretary who's there as Donald Trump's man at the America desk, <laughs> at the America desk at the Department of State, and all of the people under him who are also at the America desk at the Department of State promoting America's interests not the interest of globalism and the internationalists. Make America great. And of course, whoever it is is going to have to overcome the uh, notion that the most important uh, national security threat to America is climate change. Ken, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking time to uh, visit with us. And we'll keep an eye out for your writings. We'll post your articles up to the Unite IE website and to my Facebook page so people can read it. Ken Timmerman, author of the book, Dark Forces, The Truth About Benghazi. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Don, thanks for having me on. We will be back with you, I'm sure, as things continue to unfold. As I mentioned at the top of the hour, California, you went full tyranny. Here to help us understand a little bit about what that means to our futures is Assemblyman Mark Steinorth, who just won a, I want to say a decisive victory, but it was a cliffhanger. Uh, Just got called this week. We're going to invite him in to give us his thoughts about his campaign as well as what's in store for us. It's not that easy. Being green, having to spend each day the color of the leaves. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio. We are the show that reminds you that the most important political office is that of private citizen. And that wasn't the importance of that was on full display here in the uh, assembly district that Mark Steinorth won a victory in. And we're going to unpack a little bit about that and what's in store for us as California went full tyranny in this November 8th election. We got lots to celebrate at the top of the ticket, but it's a whole different story for us behind the Iron Curtain of California. Mark Steinorth, congratulations. Man, that was a nail biter. Well, first, I want to say thank you very much. And, and it's nice to actually say thank you and take a congratulations. We've spent the last three weeks in the registrar of voters office watching the people as they uh, process the provisional ballots to make sure that every legal ballot is counted correctly that was legally allowed to vote in the 40th assembly district that that vote was counted and it has been a very arduous process and i have to thank everybody that is we've had a team of 50 people there every single day from 7 a.m until they close every single day including sundays as they go through this so i'm just deeply grateful to Everyone out there that has helped in this victory. And it's nice three weeks later to finally say, yes, we did it. Well, I want to part the curtain behind that that hides the Wizard of Oz of what it was. What was the magic that enabled you in a hard fought race? You had headwinds of three million dollars. You had the president of the United States backing your opponent. You had the governor. You had Kamala Harris that ended up becoming our next state senator. You had uh, 
again, $3 million. You can't overstate the importance of money in, in, in winning elections. And as you just stated, the election didn't end on the process for you, didn't end on November 8th. It continued right down to the wire between, to the time when they could project finally this week that you were going to end up on top. Let's part the curtains a little bit and let the folks know. We continually say the most important political office is that of private citizen. You cannot win a race like yours was alone. You had to have help. You had to have a strategist. You had to have somebody that orchestrated this and you had to have a lot of boots on the ground. Tell us a little bit about that and why going forward, because this isn't over. They're going to come after you again, because as I learned, your district is a Democratic plus seven, which means seven percent more registered Democrats than Republicans, which is why it was a nail biter, because you had to make the case that you can reach across the aisle, that you can represent people of two different political priorities and represent them well. So peel back the curtain for us. How did it all happen? And what do you need going forward in order to keep this seat in 2018? Well, thank you. Really great lead in. And you're right. It was a tremendously difficult race. It was three, maybe three and a half million dollars spent uh, against my campaign. And all of that money was spent in negative advertising. It, it was just I couldn't even imagine there were three, four mail pieces a day in people's mailboxes. Wow. All just trashing me, just trashing me. And it was it was brutal. Friends of mine came up to me and just said, I am so sorry for what you have to go through in this election cycle. But, you know, I was I was blessed with a tremendously successful and dedicated, loyal team of just just the best people I could ever ask for to help me in this in this campaign. And nobody wins alone ever. You never win alone. You, right. you win as a team. And I, I had young people. I mean, we had high school people. I've never seen as many high school people engaged. In, no way. In, oh, yeah, absolutely. Every single day we had high school people knocking on doors, making phone calls. We had a full machine operation and we were a full tilt the whole time. I mean, it was Where nonstop. Did you get these high schoolers? Recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. Were these were these kids of parents that were your supporters? No, what, no, no, no. We went to the high schools. No I way. went to the high schools. They allowed me to speak. I talked to him about why it matters, why balance in government is necessary. And we were able to recruit so you gave civics lessons. Absolutely. To get, wow, that's Absolutely. cool. We brought Democrats and Republicans in. And you know what? We saw split tickets where people were out there and they're supporting one presidential candidate, but then they're supporting me. And I'm like, God bless you, because balance is necessary. And right. we made the argument of why it was important to have somebody that understood the like you say, it's it's a D plus seven. But it's interesting. It's a third of the district is Republican. A third of it is Democrat. A third hates both parties. And you really have to speak to all of their interests and you have to make it clear what's at stake, what matters to you in this election and why it means something to you and try and articulate that message in a very clear, concise way and do it in a positive way, not just on the negative side. And I really think that my opponent's campaign of negativity backfired. I really do. I've Too much it. negativity. Oh, my hurts. Lord. And, I, okay. you know, but the president of the United States coming out and endorsing a, a assembly candidate. I, how, when has that happened before? Right. The governor getting involved. That was even unique. Tom Steyer and his next gen operation, the whole, you know, the billionaire, the billionaire. The hedge fund billionaire, right. that guy came in. And, I mean, they came at me with knives and we were able to fend them all off and we're able to win a decisive victory. I mean, this is not just a within the margins. This is a very de- decisive victory. And we did it because we were diligent. We were vigilant and we never stopped winning. We just kept running. Wow. So I got I got to ask this in a in a geographic area that's racially diverse. We've got 
probably immigrants here uh, from all over the world. We've got uh, very few people probably that were born in California. Um, We've got immigrants from around the United States. So we have a very diverse base. Uh, How would you characterize the diversity of your campaign effort? Oh, yes. If you looked at my team, my team represented every political party, every age group, every ethnic group. It it was as diverse as you could possibly, but it was organically done. These were people that all, as I stated before, they cared about the future of California for their future. And they understood that for them to have a California that they could invest in with their education, their time, their money, they needed to be able to fight for it. I want to make a personal statement here because, you know, being that I'm, you know, sort of heavily ensconced inside conservative circles, there's a tendency among conservatives to condemn Republicans that might not always vote according to a conservative platform, uh, a conservative uh, base. In California, a a conservative, unless you're in a like a district like maybe Melissa Melendez, you don't have the luxury of doing that. When you go back to the voters, when you go back to the Mrs. Powell's, remember the story about Mrs. Powell? What kind of uh, government have you given us, Mr. Franklin, a republic, if you can keep it, madam? When you go back to the Mrs. Powell's, the electorate, you can't go back with a voting record that says I voted 100 percent conservative and damn the torpedoes. You have to go back to an electorate that says, look. You know, there's some things on both sides of the aisle that make sense. Is that am I reading that right? Well, I, I have to be the voice and the representative of my entire district. Right. That means I represent everybody, not just people that agree with me on on some issues and some other issues. They don't. I, I have to understand what truly is the pulse of my district and be reflective of that. But then also I have my own conscience and I, I have my own ideology. And, you know, I got calls during the election because I really put my own cell phone number out there. So I mean, I got the real pulse of people's anger and frustration. They would call me and one person called me and they were like, why in the world didn't you vote this particular way when you know they're going to use that as a tool against you? I go, because in good conscience, I couldn't do it. It's bad policy. It's bad for the state of California. And you know what? If I lose my seat over it, so be it. Mm-hmm. So be it. Because I'm elected to make the right decisions for my district and for all of California, not worry about my own political future. So even if that means that you've got to uh, politically, let's just say, side with the progressives in order to get reelected. If there's something that you deem is bad for California, you're not going to do it. You're going to you're going to vote correctly, which means maybe opposing the way that most of the people in your district might view that. Well, absolutely. For example, the minimum and that wage goes both bill. ways, right? Well, the minimum wage bill. Okay, I voted against the minimum wage bill because it's horrible policy, but yet it's extremely popular in my district. Sure. It just is. You pull on that. People love it. Even people that are not impacted by minimum wage, they're going to be deeply impacted when they when go the buy their wage burgers goes up and yeah. they try to buy. Well, not just burgers, but anything. Sure. The whole supply chain right. is going to be just destroyed because of this new minimum wage. But, you know, it, it, that would have been an easy vote to say, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and, you know, stick my finger in the in the water of uh, politics and, and say, I'm going to vote for this and and put that on a mail piece. But no, absolutely not, because that goes against the basic fundamentals of what this job is supposed to be. We are speaking to Assemblyman Mark Steinorth that just found out this week that based on the trend of the ballots, he uh, won. Has, has your opponent conceded yet? No, my opponent has made it very <laughs> clear they have no intention of conceding, period. So but does that matter? I, it's irrelevant to me, honestly. My opponent was never my opponent. My opponent was the state of California, the 
building itself, the the speaker of the assembly, right. you know, the governor. My opponent was a puppet. She was irrelevant in the whole race. She never spoke for herself. She never made decisions for herself. She was just a photo that they used. And then, you know, I'm going back to where my real opponents are. Beautiful. Beautifully stated. It's so exciting to have you here. We're visiting again with Mark Steinorth, the winner of his assembly race. We're going to talk more with Mark Steinorth. We got the battle of the dueling beards here. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Mine's going away on Sunday because oh, I've got to do some photos on Monday. So, oh, OK. Yeah, so you're yeah. enjoying it while you can. I, that's all it is. It's well, a luxury right now. Then I'll still be ahead of you come <laughs> you Christmas. All right. Uh, we'll be back after a word from our sponsor for this half hour. All Star Collision. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. This is Senator Mike Morrell asking you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday at 4 o'clock on AM 590, The Answer. Welcome back to the United England Empire radio program, where, as we say, the most important political office in the country is that of private citizen. And nowhere was that on greater display than in the political race of his lifetime. Mark Steinorth, victor in the Assembly District of 40, who won after a three-week-long uh, adventure in the Registrar of Voters of San Bernardino. Uh, so much to unpack about what happened during a race and what we have to look forward to in California, given that now we have a two third supermajority in Sacramento. We'll get to that in a moment. But you said something, uh, you know, after we got off the air about how our principles win every time. But I got to believe that it, a, a part of that is how you voice those principles. Um, what what made it you went to you, you talked about going out to schools, going out to the community to talk about the importance of balance in government, the importance of. And, and I got to imagine you had to weave into that conservative principles. How did you give life to conservative principles that made the difference for you? OK, so we know in sales when you try to sell a product to somebody, it's very simple. You you make a friend, you introduce your product, you ask them to buy. It's not much different in, in politics. What is the product for us? It's the ideas. It's when, you the say make a, when you say make a friend, you're talking about building a relationship. Well, building relationships, basically. yes. Make a friend. So, so when I would go out to high schools or to different groups that maybe a Republican hadn't been to before, I would go out and I would talk about why it's valuable for them, why the ideas that I'm discussing, why, why the principle of limited government, why balanced government, why Prop 13 is important to maintain, what that means to you 
you. And mm-hmm. that's the key. What does that mean to you? And I do it in a way to be able to make it clear that it's it's the way they want to receive the information, not necessarily the way that I want to give the information. So you're speaking to the listening of the person you're you've talking to. You've got to know your audience. You've right. got to know your customer. And you've got to understand what are the key carebouts of your customer. And you go out there and you provide them with that product that they're looking for, which to us in the political world is the ideas and the ideas of limited government, balance of power and maintaining property uh, prop 13 so that we can make it so everybody can afford because what do people want in california people want to be successful they do all of us want to be successful they want home ownership they all want home ownership if they have a home they want home ownership for their kids they want safe neighborhoods they want safe effective properly run schools and you know what most people understand that the idea of k through 12 straight into a four-year degree that isn't working out for everybody let's talk about vocational training let's talk about why we should bring shop classes back into high schools that appeals to everybody and then you talk about why it's necessary for you to be successful you need to have the skills and tools invested into your infrastructure I'm discussing that we have common areas. Let's talk about what we all agree upon. Let's not worry about the things that we constantly fight about. Unfortunately, we sometimes get caught up in issues where we know we're going to pick a fight. It's easy to pick fights. It's harder to build relationships and discuss what you have in common. But you know what? It works. See, this is the thing that drives me nuts is you 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 made the statement. We have the winning hand. We have the winning principles. But the thing that it, from the top down, it just seems like the Republican Party is inept at communicating that um, we have. It, it's my belief that if we were properly communicating, if we were properly branding, if we were properly selling the conservative message, that we wouldn't have some of the registration challenges we have, because when you look at, uh, you know, the. A, a a family from a conservative background and a conservative faith based like immigrants coming over from Mexico and Central America, I believe that fundamentally they are conservatives, although they've lived in countries where they've been trained that the government provides a lot. I think the reason they come here is because they want to provide for themselves. What's the reason these people come? They're not coming for a handout. They're coming for opportunity, right? Right. So how do we get them to to understand that what we are discussing is something that they believe is valuable? The, the challenge, you, you led into it. We, we have a branding issue. Right now, people believe that Republicans don't like you. Right. I mean, that's it. We we, we deliver a message. They're racist. They're bigots. They're homophobes. There's all that Throw stuff. away all of that. Get down to the point of, I don't think you like me. Make it that simple. I just don't think you like me. Right. Don't worry about the rest of it. That takes it to the stratosphere. Once you say, you know what? I think you're a decent person. I like you. You've overcome that. The problem is you've got to overcome that on a lot of different levels. You've you've got to be able to rebrand the Republican Party so the Republicans can make it clear that we have values. We have infrastructure that we believe in. And you know what? You're welcome to share that with us because you're welcome to join us. Not we want it. You don't get it. You're taking from me. You know, all those things that ostracize someone. We need to be able to put our arms around them and say, you know what? Share with us. Everybody grabs a shovel. Everybody digs together. We all get the benefit. Beautiful. Beautifully stated. And I hope that uh, however it was you engineered that, that that's something you can bottle up and package and export to some of the other areas in our the key is because Orange County stop. went blue. No, no, no. You just never stop. We we're rebuilding. The point is you right. never, oh. ever stop. We're so rebuilding. Yeah. Um, you know, we've we've got a we've got a little bit of a tailwind now 
you know, maybe from the top of the ticket. But I don't know how that translates locally yet. You know, whether or not they view the things that are part of Donald Trump's agenda as being anti them. Do you did you get a sense of that when you were when you were talking to people? Well, okay, so Donald Trump like immigration, you know, the press loves to demonize Donald Trump about his immigration uh, statements. Um, But clearly we have to be sure that people that are coming in this country uh, have America's best interests at heart, um, that they uh, assimilate into our uh, sort of capitalistic uh, opportunity oriented style of living that has made America great. But the way it gets portrayed by the media that has, you know, done a great job of demonizing everything that we stand for because there was no Republican Party pushing back on that in a way that you did, you know, to break it down to take it out of the stratosphere, break it down to that relationship. Um, I forgot my point. Well, okay, so I'm going to jump in. The media will never be our friend. Right. Period. Just, I mean, for us to constantly harp about why Except for this show. This show's media, we're your friend. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, you know, just in general, I I, I make the comments all the time. I'm never going to get press coverage. I will get something printed in the Miami Herald before I'll ever get it in the Daily Bulletin. And I just have to accept that fact and move on. We won because we went straight to the people. Similar to what Trump has done successfully, I I went straight to the people and we took our message to them. We went around everyone else and we didn't allow obstacles to stop us. We we just kept pressing forward. We never stopped. And okay, so one of the things we discussed about the Registrar Voters Office is there's one part of where they go through and they validate um, ballots and they're pulling ballots out of the provisional ballots and they're they're going through. We saw ballots in the provisional area where, you know, they're going through and validating so you can actually see how people voted, where they wrote in Bernie Sanders. They voted for the progressives in all the seats above mine, but then they voted for me. Wow. That's crazy. But the reason they did is because they believed in what I was talking about. They believed that, one, I didn't dislike them. Two, what I discuss, what I'm discussing actually makes a difference in their life. It matters to them. And three, they believe that I'm not going to betray them. And it's authentic because that's what you're going to deliver Always on. Authentic. It's not a it's not a campaign promise that falls no. by the wayside after no. January. You're going to get sworn in on Monday. Go back to work in January. We're visiting with Mark Steinorth, uh, the winner in the Assembly District of 40. We've been talking about what happened. Now we're going to talk about what's getting ready to happen as we return with Mark Steinorth after a break from our sponsor. When you're on an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For over 20 years, All-Star Collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. They offer free pickup and delivery, free estimates, and they're approved by all major insurance companies. They repair aluminum and fiberglass bodies with computerized frame straightening to get your car or truck back to factory spec perfection. You'll have your vehicle back fast and in showroom condition, safety checked, washed and detailed, fluids topped off with a lifetime warranty on paint and repairs. So exercise your freedom of choice and call All-Star Collision, the kings of wreck and roll, at 951-279-9161. Mention AM590 and get a free rental car for up to five days or $100 off your repairs. 951-279-9161. All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. AM590. The answer. Let's get it started. Ha! Let's get it started. 
Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, the show that tells you and shows you that the most important political office is that of private citizen. That would be you, our listener. If you haven't been engaged, you've got to get engaged because there's a ton of work to do, even though uh, Donald Trump's winds are blowing favorably across the United States. Somehow they stop at the California border and we're talking about how to fix that. Now, going forward, we lost our edge in Sacramento. We now have a two-thirds supermajority. And folks, every time you go to the store, you're going to be reminded about that because guess what? You're paying for plastic bags. So you voted yourself a tax increase at the grocery store. You voted yourself a tax increase because, uh, from an education perspective. Uh, you're going to be paying for that. And uh, you may end up have voting, having voted for a tax increase on your property. Prop 13, sacred cow. Uh, is that in danger, Assemblyman Steinorth? Okay, so yes. The, the short answer is yes. It's absolutely in danger. I think it's imperiled. I, I'm deeply frightened that Prop 13 as it stands right now, will be deconstructed. Now, there's several aspects to Prop 13. One, of course, we know that it protects your private property. Two, it requires a two-thirds vote for tax increases. Three, it also applies to business property, rental property, investment property. What is going to happen, in my estimation, is you're going to see a, a, a destruction of Prop 13 where they will make the argument that you, the individual voter, you're fine because we're going to go ahead and keep Prop 13 protections on your singular private residence. The voter. The voter. But for the businesses, your investment property, and also the requirement for raising taxes in the future, we're going to eliminate that. They they proposed it two years ago. It's called split roll, where they split the rolls and say, okay, the individual house is still covered, but everything else is fair game. And they try to use Disneyland as the example, because Disneyland hasn't paid an increase in property taxes in umpteen years. I think every city around Disneyland feels that Disneyland is contributing very well to their bottom dollars. So my fear is split roll is going to be the approach, and they do have the legislative power to do it, because unfortunately, my colleague Ling Ling Cheng in this, the Senate 29 district you know, was unsuccessful, and, and I'm very sad for that race. She worked very hard, but it's, it's something that all of us in California need to be – if anybody can hear me that lives outside where they are represented by a Democrat, please talk to that Democrat's office and let them know, don't you dare – don't you dare touch Prop 13. We will remember that. And you know what? If you're an assembly member, it's in two years from now. If you're a senator in the San Bernardino area, that seat is coming up in two years as well. Make it clear. Don't you dare. We will not forgive anybody that goes after Prop 13. From your lips to our listeners' ears, because if you're renting a house... You get Prop 13 protection, too, because your landlord is not increasing the property taxes. The moment his property taxes right. goes up, there goes your rent increase. And guess what? That gets passed right along All to you. All of it. So, every, so rents will go up. Uh, costs for goods and services. Every single product that we purchase, every service that we buy, wow. every single thing is connected to a brick-and-mortar location that is currently protected from increasing in property taxes by Prop 13. The moment that those costs go up... The costs get passed on to the consumer you. Mark, congratulations on winning a great race. Congratulations to your team, to your office, and all those people that worked hard to get you back. There's so much to talk about. Will you come back and visit I, I, with us? I will come back. I, I do want to say thank you for having me here, and, and th God bless my team. And I, I also want to just remind the listeners that you know, um, we we just need to all of us just collectively remember this weekend, December 2nd, and remember the, the families that lost 
um, gosh, it just breaks my heart, lost their family members and pray for the loved ones of the family members and those that survived that horrendous terrorist attack. And just please, all of us, just take that day and and share it together. Amen. Thank you for bringing that up. We will be back next week with another edition of Unite IE Radio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.